0: So, just as we grab our seats, it is always a privilege and a pleasure and a delight to have our very dear friends Steve and Roz Lazar with us, who we've supported now for how many years? It's over 20. <laughs> Who's counting? 21 years. 21 years. They've been serving on the mission field over in Mozambique, and it's just been a privilege and a delight and an honour in our very small way to partner with them and encourage them along and you know ride with them through the highs and the lows, and we're still friends at the end of the day, so it's the Lord's grace right there. So would you, I know that you're all comfortably seated, but I also know that you know there's there's certain areas and I think on the mission field is one of one of those areas where it's a lot of work with at times very little recognition. So can we just show them our honor and our love and stand and welcome them as they come up. Come on Steve Roz, whoever's coming.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. That's very kind. That's uh, overwhelming it always is to uh, come home to one of our homes. And um, I think Andrew understates what uh, Vision has done for us over many more than 20 years. 20 years ago or 21 years ago, we left Australia uh, with enough finances and enough faith for a year and uh, he's faithful and uh, not only him but you've been faithful you see it's a partnership God, uh, God speaks to us and we respond and this church uh, uh, way way back when we first moved to Canberra or uh, well, as we returned to Canberra back in 1996 and Vision became our home church. You've loved us and supported us through the days of renewal, through the days of women's conferences and all types of strange things that we got involved in. Vision has been in front of us and behind us. Uh, If I told you how much money you've given us in the last 20 years, you probably could have bought the church down the road. (laughs) But uh, you've partnered with us and uh, we, we counted a great... Great privilege to serve God and to have a family of people who who stand alongside us. Some of you we've known for all of those 20 years and it's always wonderful to see you again when we uh, come back for, for a break. Others of you we've never seen before and that's a good thing. It's a good thing that the family of, of God is constantly revolving and uh, new people come and and old as people stay, and that's the family of God. I love people watching. Who loves people watching? (laughs) Mostly in the church, I just stand looking around at people, what they're doing. (laughs) Because aren't we a strange group of people? And uh, it's wonderful that we can just be here together with all of our strangeness. I remember in the early days in church, back I think when we were meeting in the library in Woden, I think there was a lady, I think her name was Pat, she used to come to church with a dog and uh, I think she used to get biscuits from morning tea and feed a dog in church and you know she was loved and received in, in the family of God and I could say over the years many, many other people and so that's what church is supposed to be, it's supposed to be a place where people can come and if they want to run up and down the front with a flag or the kids want to run and meet grandma with their dinosaur or... Or, or whatever it might be, that we can feel this is, this is home. Yeah. We, do, it's, we do get a little bit dressed up on a Sunday, some of us, but this is home. And this is what the family of God is. And in these days, in these days right now, there's no better place to be than in the family of God. Amen. I'm going to share a little bit more about that this morning. And who knows, as Andrew said, what the government is going to decide... You'd probably say, praise God, right now our church is only at 498 people. (laughs) We can still gather together. But whatever happens in the days ahead that we would seek to gather together. Whether it's in smaller groups, whether it's in homes, because there's something really, really precious about gathering together. So thank you for your generosity to us. Um, all of these years, but certainly over these, over these last days. And uh, I want to share this morning, firstly, about vision. And that's the name of this church. And we're so excited to, to hear of what God is doing in the coming season. Because, again, it's an expression of vision. I know for many years there's been prayer about this building, and, and I remember when you came into the building... And now it's time to move out of this building. It's just a building, but it's a place where we meet. And you see there's fresh vision. I met with Andrew at 8 o'clock the other morning for, for coffee and eggs, and he was there in his working shorts, and he was excited about knocking down the walls of the new church. You see, it's exciting because God is giving you as a church, as leadership, he's giving you vision. And it says, doesn't it, in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, and I looked up my Bible, this Bible I have with me, which I think is NIV, and it says this in Proverbs 29 and verse 18, When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the Lord, or the law, is joyful. Other translations, of course, say, you know, without a vision the people will perish. And so vision is a really, really important part of our lives, individually and corporately. I want to share about three very simple, I don't know, uh, expressions of vision. In 2002, uh, God spoke to my wife. Often the Lord speaks through your wives. Amen. And uh, we had a very... Sick, uh, Sickness going through our centre. And uh, in wisdom, the Lord said to Rose let's take the 10 sickest children from the centre and to protect them, bring them into our house. And so we did that. 10 babies, are all one, I think, around about one or two years old. And when the sickness passed, the Lord also said to her, keep the kids with us. And, um, and so we did that. And... That was in 2001, 2002 and we're now at 2020 and all of those 10 children have left home. And you see, the vision is complete. Now maybe the Lord will say again, bring another 10 in when we go back next week. I hope not. But, <laughs> but, but sometimes a vision comes to an end. You don't have to repeat and maybe there's a vision that God's given you that has complete, been completed. And I believe for us, that season of looking after children in our home has been completed. doesn't mean you're. it's like when your children leave home. Uh, you're always responsible for your children. We're getting messages almost daily from our 10 Mozambican children. They're not adopted, but we call them our 10 Mozambican children. Papa Steve, my phone's broken. Papa and Steve, buy me Timberland shoes. Papa and <laughs> Steve, I need more money. So they're still, they're still your children. But that vision has, has finished. And maybe there's something in your life that God said, You've now completed what I've asked you to do. Second thing that's happened in our lives in, in the last year is that we, and we've raised up or a young couple. It's a wonderful story. Their names are Clara. She's Brazilian. She married one of our young men whose name is Augusto. He's one of the original young men that came into the ministry. Uh, when he came, he'd never been to school. Um, he was abandoned by his family. Anyway, a lovely young man. He's finished school. He studied at university, uh, uh, mechanical engineering. We brought him onto our leadership team, him and his wife, and we began to talk to them about um, leadership on the centre. And uh, through a series of events, him and his wife are the people that we're now passing the vision on to. And so we've appointed them as uh, what's called Director of Operations. Um, that's In Mozambique, uh, names, you know, titles are very important. And uh, so they're called the Director of Operations. And it's the beginning process of us Passing the vision on to to someone else. And you see, that that happened in this church, didn't it, some years ago, uh, when the Lord spoke to Peter and Judy and said, now's the time to pass on the vision to a new leadership. That's a good thing when we pass on a vision. And thirdly, or the the third thing that can happen with a vision is, is, is it can be taken from you maybe sickness or, or what's, happened, you know, what's happening at the moment, for example, uh, uh, some vision that you may have, the government may shut it down. The government may say to us in Mozambique, we no longer welcome foreigners or we no longer um, uh, welcome Christians or whatever and your vision may be taken from you. And that's happening also in Mozambique. I think at the end of last year, all 193 members of the United Nations, including Mozambique, have formally called for the progressive elimination of institutional care globally. And uh, that's been a process that began in 2010, but it's been ratified by all members of the United Nations. That, as in Australia, there are no children's centres or orphanages anymore in, in many Western countries. And so that's coming to us. So when the government or the United Nations or whoever says no more children's centres, we're going to close. And that will put a stop to the vision that that God has. But whether it's one, two or three, the important thing is God wants to give us vision. God wants to give us direction in our lives personally and for you as a church, for you corporately. So for us, what's next? Well, we've always taken a year at a time. And so 2020, we return. I'm not sure when we'll return because of this uh, virus thing that's happening, what's happening with countries closing down and so on. But we will return for 2020 because he's always said to us, pray a year ahead. Beyond that, I don't really know. But I know, beyond all doubt, as he's done 19 times or 20 times before, he will give us vision for the season ahead, I'm excited. We, through some of your generosity, if you, some of you or many of you have been to Mozambique, we're bulldozing the girls' area. I've got that much planned, got the bulldozers ready, and we're going to rebuild a quality area for our 60 gorgeous girls. Um, Andrew and Alison only have four. Imagine having 60 daughters. <laughs> Amazing. (laughs) High pitched emotion, Alison said. (laughs) "I know We've got about 150 boys. I don't know what's easier. 150 boys, 60 girls. No comment. (laughs) You can imagine. (laughs) But uh, I'm excited about that. To go and do something practically. Augusto and Clara are now looking after all the problems in the centre all everything else and we're just going to go and knock down walls and build and, and have fun. And you see, God is asking you, what's the vision that he's given you? So it doesn't matter if you're 16 or 90. God's looking for men and women of vision. Some of you will know uh, a, a man who used to be in Canberra named Dan and Sue Armstrong. They were part of a church. And part, they're, they're amazing evangelists. Um, they're, they're into their 90s, but still serving the Lord still passionate for Jesus, still evangelising, still doing what God's asked them to do. So I'm going to ask you now, we're not finished yet, we're going to make sure we get, when I smell the sausages, I'll cut the sermon. (laughs) But I'm going to pray for you. Because wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever your situation is, God wants to give you vision. Because without it, you're stumbling around in the darkness. So just place your hand on your heart. Father, across this room, Lord, from from left to right, from front to back, from teenagers to 90-year-olds, Father, I pray that you would, this morning, just confirm, Lord, even the vision that they're walking in right now, there's nothing more satisfying than being where God wants you to be. That doesn't mean it's always fun, it's always easy, it always works out perfectly, but it's Satisfying. Father, they would know that they are doing what you ask them to do. And if they're not, Lord, that you would shake them, that you would stir them, and the Father, you would give them vision and passion and direction for their lives individually. Lord, whether that be in prayer, whether that be in, in ministry, whether that be in their place of work, in their place of education, in their place of intercession. Father, they, Lord, would be men and women of vision. What a wonderful name I hang over this church. Vision Christian Fellowship. And the Father, they would walk in joy in the vision that you've given them. And Father, I bless today in the name of Jesus, Vision Christian Fellowship. It's just moving a couple of hundred yards down the road into, into a new building. But Father, you would continue to give Um, Andrew and the team and Lord this church fresh vision and fresh direction for the years that lie ahead thank you Lord they're not living on on old bread on what happened in in the 90s or what happened but Lord you're giving them fresh vision and direction and the Father this church would continue to touch the, 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 the disenfranchised, the lonely Father it would touch families, it would touch Lord, the community um, of Canberra, because it is a church of vision. We bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk a little bit this morning about family. I don't know about you, but in the last years, I've noticed that the meaning and interpretation of words, have changed. If I said to you this morning, the worship was awful, probably wouldn't be really impressed at it. But, you know, a hundred years ago, the word awful meant full of awe or worthy of awe, marvellous, stunning. But, of course, awful now means appalling or atrocious. The word wicked I used to use that word in the classroom with some of the young men I was teaching. (laughs) Wicked young boys. But of course nowadays you can say, well that was just a wicked manoeuvre that the surfer did. Or, The word wicked has changed in meaning. It can mean something great or something amazing. In the old days a term of endearment for your wife was you would call her a hussy. It was someone who cared for the house well. Young men, please, don't call your girlfriend or your wife a hussy these days. A respectful old person with maturity was called senile. (laughs) Words change in meaning. What about the word church? Of course, the dictionary defines church as a meeting place for worship. But look how the whole concept of the word church has changed, not only over the last 2,000 years since Jesus was here, but even in our own lifetime. In the way that it's presented, in what's expected, in what the church means and how the church practices. In my short life, I've been through, I suppose, five very different experiences of church life. And all of them have been very significant to my growth. I was raised as a child in a very traditional Presbyterian church in Sydney. I'm not really sure if I ever met God in the church. But that church was foundational to me and to my family. In understanding the scriptures, being part of a choir, Sunday school, it taught me structure, Stability, the excitement every once every three months of having communion after I was confirmed. And that church that still exists really was foundational in my life. When I was 16, someone invited me to a a little church on the outskirts or or, or in in La Perouse on the outskirts of Sydney, near the beach there, because there was something that was happening there. The charismatic movement had hit Australia and there were young people gathering in this little church and I went there and that church for several years was not only the place that I met Roz, but it was also the, the place that I fell in love with the Holy Spirit, where I was filled with the Spirit and learned the value of speaking in tongues, the gifts of the Spirit and it was a stepping stone in my life. It was foundational to who I am today. The church, very different to the first church, but a point that was was, uh, instrumental. After a couple of years in New Zealand, we moved back to Australia and we came involved in what's called the Australian Prayer Network these days, or in those days was called Spirit Alive Ministries. It was a mobile church. We did attend church in in Bathurst, but our main uh, ministry or our main excitement was part of this mobile church that week to week visited country towns and cities and prayed for the, the businesses, prayed for the churches and asked that the churches would begin being responsible together to pray for their community leaders. It was our church. We used to take our children with us. We loved The Australian, we love what we were doing in that church. Very different from the previous experiences, but church was real to us. And of course, I was teaching in 95. We went to Toronto, Canada, and we ran into the renewal. And the renewal in those days in the church, uh, back in those days in Canada, it was six nights a week. Church started at a certain time and went to whenever And uh, we used to say, we're going home by 10. Okay, we'll go home by 11. (laughs) Midnight's the limit. And you never miss church because the Holy Spirit was there. And we queued up night after night after night. It was a wonderful time of falling in love with God the Father, of knowing his love for us as a father. It's where our children gave their lives to the Lord it's where uh, Roz's dad, after many years of not walking with the Lord, gave his life back to the Lord. And that was church. We came back and moved to Canberra. And this church was also moving in the, in the renewal, I suppose, if you want to term it a word. And this family became our church family. You see, and it, it, for five years that we were here, before we went to Mozambique, this was the expression of the church that God gave us. And if we had time this morning, you could probably say the same thing has happened to you. You went from this church to that church. But you see, what I want to say to you this morning is church family is really, really important. And now, of course, we're on the mission field. And church there is very different to all of those others. It's very, very loud. You go to church feeling really, really good and come home with a headache. No, it's loud. <laughs> It's really hot and uh, it's extremely different. We go to the, to the street, we pick up people from the street, we pick up people from the garbage dump and there are drunk people in church and I say, Lord, I just want to have a normal church service. <laughs> and the Lord says, this is a normal church service. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's again, children dance because it's an expression of Of their own healing. I'm not sure they're really worshipping but it's full of dance and and music and again it's a, a wonderful, wonderful experience to be there because for us at this time, that's our church. This is what Rick Warren says. He says you cannot fulfil the five purposes of life, worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry or evangelism on your own. Life is not a solo act. You were created for community. He says, Rick Warren, to fulfil God's purposes in your life is with people in your life who are giving you spiritual input. You need a church family. And you know, of all those churches that I've been in, and and you could say the same, there's no church that's perfect because it's full of us. But you see, there's something about family and as we travel across many of those places that we've, uh, we've been living, the people who we connect with always, whether it's in Sydney or whether it's in Bathurst or whether it's in Canada or whether it's here in Canberra or in, in Mozambique, most of them are our church family because they're the people that we've had close relationship with over the years. And so I want to encourage you, keep part of the church family. I'm not going to read all the scriptures this morning because I'd like a sausage shortly. But Jesus encourages his disciples, he says to his disciples to love one another in such a way that all men will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. That's in John 13, he encourages us. In Galatians, it says in Galatians 6... Bear one another's burdens. You see, in a church family, we can share our struggles, we can share our victories, and others will be there to stand with us. Galatians 5 and verse 13 says, Through love, serve one another. So be encouraged. First Thessalonians says, Encourage one another and build one another up. In my opinion, whatever form or flavour, it's so important that Christians be part of a church family and not live spiritually on their own. You see, we're living in a world of, of uh, you know, we have internet church and all those things are good, podcasts and, and, and teaching and that's good. But a lot of people saying, well, I don't need to go to church anymore, I can just do it at home. Well, some aspects you can But there's something about meeting together. And you see, I just want to encourage you as a church, whatever happens in these months ahead, continue to meet together because there's something precious about church family. But let me look now at the really hard one, our own families. You see, if you don't like this church family, you can say, well, don't like the preaching anymore. The worship's no good. It's awful. (laughs) And, you see, you can choose to go somewhere else. But with our own families, we can't do that. You see, we were born into our families with our parents. We do get to choose our wives in our culture. Some others don't. But the rest of our family, we don't get to choose. Even our brothers, our sisters. We may choose to have children. We don't often choose the nature of our children. And you see, for many of us, family presents a struggle. Family um, presents to us difficulties and challenges. But you see, God is also about our own families. And again, some of our greatest challenges come with our own families, and we can't abandon them. And again, how the word family has changed in interpretation over the years. Let me read to you James Dobson. Now, I still believe a lot of what James Dobson says, but this is only something that he wrote 30 years ago when we were raising our children. If I had some violin music in the background, it would help me. The eternal plan of, uh, for the family, as I understand it, begins with a lifelong commitment between one man and one woman, undergirded by absolute loyalty and fidelity to one another. The husband, listening, Andrew, devotes himself to the best interests of his wife, providing for her needs and protecting her to the point of death, if necessary. This one, the family has a homemaker mother and a bread-winning father. The (laughs) wife honours her husband, (laughs) devotes herself to him and respects his leadership in the family. (laughs) If they are blessed with children, those children are recognised to have um, in a, is, well, lots of worth and dignity, not for what they produce or accomplish, but for who they are as God's handiwork. They are taught while very young to yield to the authority of their parents, boundaries of behaviour are established in advance and then enforced with firmness. Now, there's a lot of truth in what he says, but things have changed in some ways. I don't know about you, but 30 years ago, I didn't spend a lot of time talking about homosexual relationships and marriage. We weren't talking about the LGBT movement. We weren't even talking about single-parent families or divorce. When we first got married, the predominance of women were stay-at-home mums. But in this day and age, there's often necessity or desire for both parents to work. Now, these are real issues that cannot be ignored within our own families or indeed in the church family. And we as a church and as families are forced to address some of these issues. You see, the very concept of family is so important to God. Both our biological and our church families need to be prioritised. You see, in times of crisis... And in times of celebration, it's the family unit that needs to be strong. Our own biological family and our spiritual family, both are important. God created family and is yet to uncreate it. He didn't create children's centers, and we now call our center a family and child care center. We've reduced the number of children from, that live with us from 500 or 550. Back in the early days, we now have less than 200. We have brought in, in the years that we've been there, over 600 new children and have put more than 900 back in families. You see, God, the Bible teaches us that God established families from the very beginning of time, starting with Adam and Eve. He valued and taught about the, the value and importance of family throughout the scriptures. Jesus also taught about the importance of caring for our family. The very, very fact that Jesus' first miracle was done at the wedding at Canaan. He showed how much he loved his family by helping turn or by turning the water into wine. And Jesus' very last words, or some of his last words before he died, was saying to him, care for my mother. And there are many, many scriptures about the important principles of family. But just like the church family, our own families are probably far from perfect. But you see, God says to us to love them. God says to us to care for them. God says to help deal with their issues. And we've had to learn to do that as, as mum and dad to our own children, to continue in relationship with them, to continue to love them in really, really good days and in days of difficulties. Someone asked me at the end of last year, what is a supernatural family? I thought I have no idea. Google didn't help me. (laughs) So I started to pray, Lord, what what are you because he wanted me to share about supernatural family at a, at, a, at a church. And you see, I started to think about this. Sometimes as Christians, we divide our lives into church life or our spiritual life, and then we have our family life. And we're not quite sure how those two are to come together. And sometimes that's a, it's a, a struggle, particularly for people who are in full-time ministry, pastors and missionaries and others who are in full-time ministry, Lord, where, where do I prioritise my family? How much time do I give to the church? How much time do I give to my family? What should I be at? What shouldn't I be at? And the Lord said to me, the definition of supernatural is where those two come together. You see where the, the biological family and the spiritual family are working together. And we've had seasons all the time seasons of our lives where our biological family and our spiritual calling have come together and that to me is perfect where you're ministering together as a family when we were part of the uh, prayer network whenever we went out to pray our children came with us they didn't just sit in color they prayed with us they ministered with us and that was to us was Pure perfection. When we, uh, in Canada, over the time of renewal, again, gave their lives to the Lord, all they wanted to do was go to church. We did it together. For many years, in Mozambique, our children were with us, starting the our daughter who tr- studied nursing, started our clinic, our son ran one of the dormitories and looked after the kitchen for a season, did worship there. It was supernatural because our calling of God and our family came together. Now, it's not always like that. They were seasons. But you see, when God can, can bring your family together with what you're doing supernaturally, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. And I encourage you to continue to pray for your family and look for opportunities for them to be with you in what you're doing, whether it's here at church or whether it's in ministry. Of course, when we were in uh, Toronto, we met a, a, a couple by the name of Heidi and Roland Baker and because of their ministry, uh, we began to move towards what we're doing now in Mozambique. And that also for us has become an expression of supernatural families. i said about the ten girls or ten children that we took into our own home, those children became part of our supernatural family. We didn't adopt them, they didn't carry our name, many of them have family, but it became part of our supernatural family. And God's taught us many, many things over the 20 years with these children. As I said, I, I think in November, just before Christmas, the last of the 10 children uh, went home or went, went out into the community and Ros will share a little bit about that in a moment. And she remembers just seeing the last, you know, the, my, I think it was my car taking Anishto up into a house, into the community and she realised it's finished. That vision is finished. But it was a precious 20 years. Now, they're just normal kids they're not all supernatural, in terms of they're not all following the Lord closely. Some of them are, some of them are not. But all of them are part of our hearts and part of our lives. This church, when Ernesto was very young, I remember, I think, Bev or someone produced little fridge magnets or something of Ernesto, who had been in hospital many times and put his on the fridge to pray for him. Where well, you'll see his photo up in a couple of minutes he has uh, finished school, he's studying English at, uh, at, a, at an English school and he's working with us. Ivan, who they were said would never walk, he was so malnourished and maltreated as a little baby. He's finished grade 12, he's studying drama at university. Louise is working in our carpentry shop and in grade 12. Joanna is a, is a, a wife and a mum. Leisure is in grade 11 and living with her sister. G2 has finished grade 12, is studying at university, is doing social welfare. Krimelda has a little girl, Sophia. She works in our clinic. Persina, one of the young girls we put back with her mum many years ago, passed away uh, two years ago now, and so on and so on. Each one of them has their story. But you see, they came from the most difficult situations. We continue to love them. They became part of our supernatural family. Their lives are a living miracle, but like all of our own children, with some not-so-good chapters. You see, our privileged expression for us is caring for orphans and widows. The Bible, James says, the purest form of religion. Bringing children to their full inheritance... As children of the King, giving them hope and a future and security with God as their Father. Going to pass over to Roz because I I wanted a couple of minutes at the end just to pray for you. Going to pass over to Roz just to share a little bit, and she's going to show her amazing video.
2: Good morning. It's awesome to be here with you. Uh, I don't want to take too much time because we're all headed for the sausage sizzle I here. But I did I want to say a really big thank you. Um, like Stephen says, the vision that God placed in my heart, so we sort of had a vision to be in Mozambique and be uh, running the centre that we, we've run for 20 years. But within that vision was heart of mine to care for uh, little children, babies. I forgot that they grew up. <laughs> Went through adolescence. Um, but you've been part of that and like Stephen says, last year in about November uh, we set up a house in the community for Ernesto and he was the last one to leave and when uh, Stephen drove out, I'd I'd already been up to the house and we'd set it up and I chose to stay behind and I just stood in um, the dormitory and there was this uh, sense of completion and I didn't feel at all emotional I just felt amazed at God's faithfulness and God's faithfulness through people like you who've um, supported some specifically some of you specifically supported particular children others you have, have you have just have given for the overall centre but it all has helped for these children who had no place to live they do have family but they're not wanted and so they've been with us for 20 years and when they drove out I just stood around and I was thinking the first um, day that we brought them down they'd actually been around we'd had a sickness and we decided to bring them into this into our house so we'd gotten our, our little the room ready and they all came toddling down in their little nappies and toddling into the house I was so excited about it all and At that moment I thought the vision was turning to a nightmare (laughs) because there was ten toddlers all in nappies and I'm like, oh, I think there's a reason we don't have ten children all at the same time. (laughs) But it's been a wonderful journey. It's been a total privilege to be part of their lives and I really want to thank you. I I would love that you had all been able to be there on the day that we closed that, that dormitory and just to say what an ah moment with God. That's all I can say. It's just an ah moment. It was nothing to pass on because what we wanted to do was love little babies to adulthood. And that was what we did. So there was nothing to pass on. We didn't want to reinvent that that, um, situation again. But we have a massive amount of vision for the centre. Like Stephen said, um, the United Nations back in 2010 introduced... ...their um, resolution to abolish institutionalised care around the world. So it's been ratified last year. But we had already made the transition to decide that what we wanted to do was uplift and uphold family. And so we bring children in after a lot of assessment and looking. And we treat what the frailty is in the child, whether it's health or um, poverty or whatever... And then we look at the family and we look at what the weaknesses are in the family and how we can empower that family to receive the children back. So sometimes that's complicated. It might require us to build a small brick home. It might require us to actually support that family for five years in various different ways. And that's what the video will show you, some of the ways that we support family. Each family is different. They don't automatically get... A, B, C, D, it depends on what they need, it depends on their situation. And so we have a lot of support systems that we've set up, uh, whether it's paying for their school fees or um, a food box or milk milk program for mums, uh, building program, small business program, school fee um, paying. That's all support so that the children can go back and be with their family. And I can tell you I don't think that we've had one child... ...it's hard for our teenagers to leave the centre... ...but there's not one child that hasn't run back to their house. They all look for the day that they get to go back to granny, auntie... ...their older brother or sister or to their parents again. Family is so important and that's what we've seen over the years. So we have changed to, to being, um, from being a, an institution that cares for children... ...to being a child and family support centre... And that is what we're really shooting for. We're shooting to actually process the children faster through the centre. Sometimes it takes a long time to get the health on track, to get the family on track. But we always say one year to the families, but oftentimes it's more than that. But we're working on a revolving door and that's, that's where we're at at the moment. We're both really excited about, about that because it upholds what God created, the family... And so I always want to say, say thank you over and over again for being a church that supported us, that stood with us. We went, like Steve said, for one year with enough faith and finances and 20 years on, God has got a plan that we didn't plan. But thank you so much for partnering with us and for being that support, being prayerful, being giving us wise advice when we're making it up as we go along. and. Um, I just want to share that that video with you and hope that you can get a little glimpse of what we've been doing for 20 years. United Nations General Assembly adopted a resolution for the guidelines for the alternative care of
3: children. In
2: 2019, 193 member states signed the resolution, including Mozambique. The resolution stated that the fundamental group of society is the family, With this in mind every effort is made to maintain close ties with the family and to return the child into the care of the family as soon as possible. A time to facilitate to a rapid reintegration, every effort is made to, to strengthen the family unit.
0: A little bit emotional, hey? I think definitely one of the highlights over 20 years has been seeing those little clips and all the photos, some younger photos of you two in there as well, (laughs) in the mix. Um, Steve wants to pray for us and we're going to finish with a song, but I thought just before we let him do that, I thought it would be great if we could just pray for you two guys. Is that all right? Would you guys stand up? And I don't mind as many people who want to, let's just show them our love. And I love that expression, they're loving them all the way. And you know, it's been a, a pleasure to love you all the way so far and to continue to love you all the way to see that vision through. So can we just show them our love? Can someone join us out here? Anybody? Gather around them, love on them a little and just pray for them in the midst of this transition and would you all join with us as we just pray for them. Father, we are just so thankful and grateful for this couple. We thank you for that vision that you placed in their hearts 20 plus years ago. Thank you that you are, as Steve's proclaimed this morning, a God of vision. Thank you for the part that we've been able to play in that vision and thank you for all the fruit that, you know, I, I don't believe for a moment they've even seen all of the fullness of the seeds that have been sown, the lives that have been changed, the impact that they've made, not only in the lives of the uh, young children but in that nation. And Lord, I thank you for the rich, rich deposit the harvest that they have been able to play a part of. But I thank you more than anything else for their faithfulness and their willingness to step out when you called them and follow the vision that you put on their hearts. And Lord, we want to pray for them in the midst of this transitional season as well. And I pray that there would be those times of wrapping up vision, of passing on vision, and of really seeing to completion and fulfilment all that you have called them to do, whether it's this year or beyond, Lord, we pray that they'd run that race with passion, with perseverance and grab a hold with great joy of that crown, celebrating your faithfulness and good, goodness to them along the way. So, Lord, we thank you for them. We love them. Continue to love them. And we just pray for them together as a couple. Would you open for them in the midst of seeing this vision through, the next steps, the next direction, where it is that you're calling and leading them to beyond this vision that you have for them. It's not retirement, it's refinement as the expression goes. Stepping into the next season of God's purpose and his calling upon your life. We pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: We just wanted to, along with the prayer team, just finish up this morning and uh, maybe you're praying for vision and direction in your life and you want someone just to pray with you. Um, God needs to speak to you about vision. But if, if a prayer team or Roz and I can pray with you, we'd love to do that this morning. Maybe you want prayer for your family. Uh, maybe something in your church family or maybe in your own family. Uh, you know, we could share with you for hours and hours the, the struggles and issues we've had with our own family. But we, we choose to stand alongside them and pray for them and be with them in really, really good seasons and in some that are not so good. So if you want prayer for family, please take opportunity but the last thing I want to do is, is uh, I've asked Adam to finish up with a song I'm No Longer a Slave to Fear and you know um, fear is an interesting word I think sometimes fear is okay you know if a fire's coming near you it's okay to be afraid to get burnt I remember a couple of years ago I was on a boat and the boat was about to sink and I was there was freezing cold water and there were sharks and I was a little bit afraid that I was, you know, going down. But you see, I knew the peace that passes understanding. I knew who Jesus was in my life. And I think it was Peter said before the service, just chatting outside about what's happening at the moment. For all of us, there's there's a line between faith and what science says. And you know, that line can be different for each one of us. So how we react to what's happening at the moment can be different. Because there's a science and there's, and there's faith and that, that meets somewhere in the middle. But you see, God does not want us to live in fear. And so if you're afraid of, of that or something else, you're afraid of what's happening at the moment, just come and get someone to lay hands on you and pray for you for that peace in the storm. So when we stand and sing, I know there's a prayer team here this morning as we sing this song, No Longer a Slave to Fear if you want prayer for for what I've mentioned or anything else, take opportunity. This is family. There's nothing you can share that God doesn't know or you can simply say, pray for me. And I know the team would love to do that for you this morning. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the body of Christ, for this family and Lord, for our own families back at home. Father, we pray blessing. We pray provision. We pray health. We pray, Lord Jesus, for... Peace that passes understanding to rule over our families, over our church, over this nation, and over the nations of the world over this day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks very much.
4: You are. Won-